0: we it's going to a party, we will party hard. Atlanta sports fans, welcome to another great edition of That Sports Show. Not this sports show, not any other sports show, That Sports Show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. This is Impact Media's weekly spin right through the world of uh, professional sports. Pretty much, we like to talk about Atlanta, but we talk the national as well. Lots to get into tonight, but first I want to tell you all the ways you can be a part of the show. You can email the show at, let's see, 3endzone at gmail.com. I always say at too many times, 3endzone at gmail.com. That's a number three, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E at gmail.com. And as many of you have discovered, I am the one who replies to practically every email. So it is me you are talking to. You can also search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York, any of that should find the show among all of our other things that we do. If you are a person who likes to click on a link and listen to a show, You can go to our Twitter account, at Team Impact Media. You can also follow me on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram for show-related things and uh, anything else I've managed to get into or things that I think are entertaining. I promise you guys more content is coming very, very soon. Uh, But that is at TheImpact99 is how you find me on all of those. And, of course, you can find us anywhere that you find a podcast. There is a lot to get into tonight. We're of course going to start with the world of the NFL. And it has been a little while since we've done a show, done this show. But it seems like the same NFL topics are pretty much still going on. And, you know, obviously the draft is coming up very, very soon. And there's one, there's, there's something new I'm going to bring up. But let's talk about the usual suspects and the crazy things going on there. And we'll start with the Lamar Jackson saga. And it is every bit of that. It is just crazy. And to catch everybody up, in case you don't know. Lamar Jackson basically, for the better part of a year, has been trying to get the Deshaun Watson contract that the Browns are just were just goofy enough to give him. I mean, who gives somebody with that kind of track record? Yeah, he's got talent, talent all over, but somebody that. Has the track record of him, and the whole reason why he was in trouble to start with, 200 and what, $230 million guaranteed. I mean, seriously, it's... Yeah, the Browns messed it up for a lot of people. Steve Bashotti is definitely not happy with Jimmy Haslam, probably for a boatload of reasons, but that one in particular... Um and I get the arguments that Lamar has. We all get them. We've talked about them on this show. You guys probably talk about them anywhere you go if you're talking football. But the latest in this saga is that Lamar tweeted out a message that said, "Hey, just so you guys know, he did this on last Friday while the owners' meetings, I believe, were going on, or the league meetings, or whatever meetings they were having, or yeah, I don't." Whatever they were doing in between playing rounds of golf and eating probably lots of cheese. He tweeted out, hey, just so you guys know, I asked the Ravens for a trade March the 2nd. Wow. That's that's a good while before, you know, that's three or four weeks before the actual party tweeted and, uh, somebody gave him a heads up, somebody, he's got an inside source, or he's got, I think he's got a couple friends in the media, and let's just put it out there, because I am a member of the media too, a functioning member of the media, I'm nowhere near as connected as, as, uh, you know, your big dogs, your Shefties, your Rappaports, your, your, uh, your, uh the ones like that. And in no way, I don't think it was these guys or gals. You know, I think it's, it's probably a mid-level person. But somebody gave him a heads up. Because when did this tweet come out? This tweet came out. Or this message. I'm pretty sure it was on Twitter. This tweet came out a mere, I don't know, 90 to 120 seconds before Ravens head coach John Harbaugh sat down to speak with the media at a press conference? Yeah. We're talking within minutes because he sat down and one of the first things somebody in the media scrum said to him, hey, did you see what Lamar tweeted? He said, "Uh, no, I didn't. Well, the guy told him. Yeah. That's like being called into your boss's office and uh, you think you're in there to talk about an upcoming project and you sit down and they put a projector on that has a video camera and it says, hey, we saw what you did. Whether you think you did something bad or not, hey, we got a video of you up here. Uh, Even the most straight-laced people, even the person talking to you, yeah, you get a little nervous when you're like, they got a video. What did they think they saw on the video? Well... (laughs) Imagine trying to, to fend that off as, as uh, that message comes out right before you were going to make a, uh, a speech and talk to people. Now, Harbaugh's all class, and he continues. It seems. i got to go with Florio here. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk and uh, Chris Sims, too. They mentioned that, you know, Harbaugh has kind of been neutral during a lot of this. You have the Ravens organization saying we're trying to sign him to a big deal. Uh, he just won't sign it because uh, we won't offer him full and guaranteed or all the guaranteed that he wants. Lamar, on the other hand, comes out and says it's not all about just the guaranteed money. That's not what the hang-up is about. And It just keeps going back and forth, and Harbaugh has kind of been in the middle and continued to say things like he did on this day. Uh, he's just excited to have Lamar to be one of the best players on the team. And uh, he wants him back because they, have, I mean, they've, they've built this team around Lamar. So what do you do if he walks? I mean, he, can't, he technically can't walk. He can, but he can't. And it's kind of, the, yes, Lamar is an upgrade at a, lot of, at a lot of teams at the quarterback position. But a lot of people have already kind of filled those seats. And uh, most of them they've got money tied into the people they have they can't just up and cut their starter or even their their backup to make room because they're gonna be on the hook for part of the salary trades could still happen Um, it's pretty safe to say at this juncture let's go ahead and eliminate Let's go ahead and eliminate some of the uh, usual suspects that were, have been a part of discussions the entire time. The Atlanta Falcons have said uh, we're gonna we're gonna ride with Desmond Ritter and uh, Taylor Heineke. The Washington Commanders, Heineke's former team, who were potentially rumored to get Lamar, have uh, said no. We're gonna we signed Jacoby Brissett. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. I mean, you you would think the Colts would would consider it, but I mean, you know, they they've kind of you know, there's you know if this was last year, this time last year, then Miami was in play. They 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 picked up Tua's option, and Mike McDaniel's always said, already said, uh, yeah, we're we're riding with Tua. So, Lamar's kind of running out of places to go. Could he set out this season? Sure. Is he going to? I don't think he would, because then we just do this all over again next year. And it's just going to be worse. And if you set out a year, where's your skills go? Look at Deshaun Watson. He sat out, what, a year and a half? Almost two years. Maybe longer than that. And no matter how much you work out, you don't get that game time speed and you know, agility training, uh, Deshaun did not look good this year. Which, once again, is what the Browns deserve for making such an absurd contract offer. So, could they trade him still? Well, yeah. A- and here's the thing with that. If, let's, let's say it's the Falcons. It's not the Falcons, by the way, but just for the sake of that, the Falcons say yeah we uh, we would we would consider signing him to an offer sheet, which based off the the type of franchise tag that that he has been tagged under, you can do that." Well here's the problem is if they make a contract offer and the Ravens have the opportunity to match, if they determine they don't want to match, then the Falcons would uh, that offer would be valid. Lamar would need to uh, sign it. And when he signed that deal, the Falcons would give two first-round picks to the Ravens. So not only are you having to sign him to an astronomical amount of money, probably having to clear people off your team for the cap room, but you're also giving up two first-round picks to do so, per the NFL rule. You're better off that, let's, let's say once again it is the Falcons that, that are interested in him. Well, why wouldn't you go to Baltimore... And say, hey, we don't want to necessarily just give up two first-round picks and still have to pay him. Um, let's talk about some other ways we could sweeten this deal. Maybe it's a couple twos and threes as opposed to ones in the draft. Maybe it's some players. Maybe the Ravens look and they're like, man, I like that linebacker you got. Man, I—I'll uh, be honest, I like your kicker okay well there's there's other variables instead of just doing the 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 price match basically so that's just where we sit at this point is it's a big stalemate we don't know if harbaugh is is technically going to pick a side one way or the other i mean do you pick your employer or do you pick your your star player he says he's just excited to have uh him hopefully this year and We'll just have to see, because the Ravens, if they don't get this settled, are looking at 3rd or 4th in their division, and they're too good of a roster to be that low. They could use a couple pieces, but they can't go out and get those pieces because they got to figure out what's going on with Lamar. So we'll just have to see what happens. We'll just have to see what happens with all this. Uh... Big topic number two, there's the Aaron Rodgers saga. We have a lot of sagas. In fact, that may be the name of today's show, is a lot of sagas. So Aaron Rodgers, I've already made my groundhog joke, but he disappears into the abyss. He comes out, he sees a shadow, it's going to be, like I said, six more weeks of drama. It looks like he's pretty much going to play for the Jets. Okay, fine. So they got to work out that compensation package. I, what it seems like to me, and once again I heard this, I don't remember where I heard it, because if so I would give them credit, but what I've heard is that there is a backdoor clause, so to say. So let's say the Jets say, hey, we'll give you a second round pick this year. We'll give you a first round pick next year. And if Aaron Rodgers, if he plays 2023, great. If he plays 2024, great. If he is not, if he does not play for the Jets in 2025, then the Packers send a let's say third or fourth round pick back to the Jets, kind of a way uh, uh, security clause, so to say. I don't think that's bad. That's not bad. I, I don't know what else. There's probably players or other things involved in this. Looks like the deal is going to happen sooner rather than later. But At this given juncture it's just uh, it's just dragging just dragging everybody's feet around and I look forward to what I mean is Rogers gonna show up for camps he's not very prone to usually do so these are brand new teammates he kind of needs to win them over a little bit can't just go on reputation And the sooner this gets done, the sooner we can potentially see him in New York. But this is another one that's just, it's too kind of a a limbo phase. Speaking of kind of being in limbo, topic number three in the NFL. Robert Kraft was asked that... Given the track record of the last 25 years with Bill Belichick, is it safe to say that uh, he will, you know, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, it's safe to say that he will be coaching the team next year and beyond? Kraft never said yes. He uh, danced around, he did the Macarena. He, uh, did the stanky leg. He did a lot of uh, different dancing around there. A little fire dance and everything like that. Never quite said, uh, oh, of course. So is Belichick on the hot seat? And before everybody goes, oh, well, why would he be on the hot seat? Well, okay. So uh, in the last 25 years, it has been 24, 25 years. So and I would say, 21 Twenty-two of those years, those are basically the Tom Brady years, a little bit of Drew Bledsoe before that, in those times, multiple rings, lots of winning, lots of big culture, things like that, and I don't want to put this on Mac Jones, but in the Mac Jones era, we have seen a little bit of some chinks in the armor, have we not? And then at one point, Belichick, that cares deeply, deeply about defense and uh, based off his um, not-so-great drafting of offensive players, uh, offense is not a strong point. Uh, last year, he decides it would be a great idea to take two defensive coordinators and two former head coaches in the league and make them co-offensive coordinators because Josh McDaniels is his ace in the hole left to be a head coach for a second time. and that didn't work so they actually get an offensive coordinator this time and we'll see what happens with between that and Mac Jones but Belichick has missed the playoffs two out of the last three years now luckily rookie year Mac Jones I believe made the playoffs over the last uh, Something like that. But also in two of those three years, last three years, he has lost more games than he's won. And like I said, we're starting to see that the Patriots are not only beatable, but many teams could have the potential to beat them. Now, also keep in mind that uh, Coach Bill is... I don't remember the exact number, but he's getting closer to the all-time wins list as a coach of Don Shula's previously thought unreachable record. But is he going to break the record with the Patriots? Or is he going to do it with another team? I think to circle back, is Belichick on the hot seat? Um... I don't know that it's quite flames but I think it's it's warming up. It's you know, it's it's getting a little warmer in that seat than it than it has been previously. So, we will have to see what happens from there. We will let that saga stay up to that point and I'm curious to see what does happen, because if Kraft does have the the notion to potentially move on from Bill, if it starts to go south mid mid season, does he consider it there, or does he let him ride out the season? Does he let him hang on long enough to get the record? I mean, because what if what if that takes multiple years? What if uh, what if that means the Patriots stay? 500 or worse for the next five years for him to hit that record or you know I don't know exactly I mean he's behind but it's just interesting it's an interesting point and we'll all be keeping our eye up there on Foxborough to see if Robert Kraft gets to that point or not Uh, fourth topic we got five things I want to mention about the NFL tonight the last one is Falcons related but fourth topic tonight I've heard multiple interviews with Pete Carroll I've heard a lot of people talk about him I mean we know Cal Heard loves Pete Carroll loves Russell Wilson not afraid to go after him but big fans of him. I have to admit I am a, a little bit of a Pete Carroll fan I read his book when he was at USC as uh, as he he talked about you know getting let go from the NFL and having to regroup and what he was able to do at USC. I mean, the guy can coach and he can get one of the hardest target audiences in this country to pay attention to him. And that is young men who are between 17 and 22. Yep, I hear all you parents out there screaming this at me. Yep, I'm talking about those invincible know-it-alls. Yeah, my dad always accused me of, uh, or not always, but uh, for a while he, he accused me of uh, thinking I knew everything. Uh, thank goodness we both agree that I never used those words, but you know, we all go through that phase where we think we're a little invincible, and it's usually right around college age. You know, Sometimes life's has a way of uh, showing you that you're wrong. Sometimes you just figure it out. But Pete Carroll is really good at developing young talent and getting young people to buy into his system. And it's not because, oh, they're younger, they don't know better. No, it's because veterans in the league, a lot of times, they say, hey, I'm here to just make my money, or hey, I've been in the league longer, or I'm older, or whatever, and they just go, no, I just want to write it out this way. And that's fine. But think about when Seattle had like, what, three straight years of just bona fide great drafts. When the Shermans and the Chancellors and the Russell Wilsons and all that big time stardom, all of those guys, they all hit on in those those couple drafts in a row. And then look at last year's draft. I mean, you think Kenneth Walker is, was, uh, you you think that was a pretty good pick? Yeah, I I think that's an understatement. I watched him torch my Wolverines for years. I was kind of glad he moved on, and then he's probably going to torch my Cowboys now. It's a whole different thing, but uh, Kenneth Walker's a heck of a running back. Geno Smith, he buys into Pete Carroll. Look where he's at right now. He's almost like a, a mini Russell Wilson. He is having a resurgence of his career to which I don't think he's looked as good as he has right now. He's looking great. And they've had him for another three years. I think most of it guaranteed, if not all of it. They're still going to probably draft a quarterback because when are, you, when are you hoping to have a pick like they have? They're in the top eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. When are you going to have the opportunity to pick one of these? Hopefully, you don't have the opportunity very long. But I think the Seattle Seahawks are right on the cusp, on the crest of the wave, as I like to call it. You know, you guys are out on the beach around this time. You're probably at spring break, some of you out there with your kids, or maybe you're in school yourself. And you see that wave coming. Doesn't matter how big it is. The crest of the wave, as the wave rounds up, the very tip top of the wave is what i'm talking about it's the very front of it it's curling up it's going to it's going to going to find you first that's what i'm talking about the crest of the wave i think Seattle's right there on that they had a great draft last year they're poised to have a really good one this year they re-signed chino they've got uh, uh, they've re-signed some other veterans this team this team could really make some waves out there. You know, San Francisco can't play their top quarterback because he has a robo-arm at the moment. Shout-out Sam, or shout out to uh, Brock Purdy. Not Sam Purdy. I know him, too. Shout-out to him, too. To Brock Purdy, who just had his surgery. He's the quarterback they want to go in. Uh, Trey Lance is not necessarily a bust, uh, but he's going to be a bigger reclamation project than, than Kyle Re- initially thought, they signed Sam Darnold, who still has arm talent and know-how, and, and uh, uh, I don't know if you'll see as many ghosts in San Francisco as he saw in New York, but he saw quite a few in Carolina. Um, maybe, maybe the uh, Ghost Adventures guys should look him up. I mean, I'm, I'm serious with that. You can get shell shocked to where you see things, either before they happen or maybe they're not there. But you look in, like I said, 49ers, they've got a stacked team. But if they can't get the quarterback right, well, we saw what happens. Then you look at the Rams. Uh, well, unless the Rams sign that security guard from the Dodger game the other night, uh, yeah, they, they could use a couple more defenders and, and a, a, a healthy Matthew Stafford. Uh, running backs, because they don't like any of the ones they have, even though they're good. What Cam Akers, he can still run. Um, McVay may only be here another year or so before he goes to TV. So, you know, they're looking at some some crazy times. And then you got, what, the Arizona Cardinals, that they're a, healthier, a healthy Kyler Murray... Away from making a big run. Well, what if they put it together before he comes back? I can tell you right now. I think Seattle's better than Arizona. I think they're better than the Rams. So, and they always play the 49ers tough. Seattle may be your Cinderella or sneaky or dark horse or whatever you want to call it. They, I mean, they may not be that dark of a horse. They may maybe medium gray. Pick to win the NFC West. I think you could pencil them in right now. I think they're, you're about to see the return of Pete Carroll in Seattle. And look out. They may be a bigger buzzsaw than they were before. Before the Legion of Boom. But just uh, just pay attention there. Like I said, Pete Carroll is really good with a young roster. He has got a really young roster. He is going to add half a dozen more or better from the draft. Look out for him, man. Look out for the Seahawks. And then lastly, as I mentioned before, this is part of This is called the Falcons' plan. They wanted to play Desmond Ritter more often last year, but Mariota had to stay in as long as they were in it. Because you, you just can't mess with the rhythm. You didn't know what you had in Ritter. All reports... Now... Take some of this with a grain of salt because what are you going to say? You got Desmond Ritter. You see his first off season. You don't go, "Oh my gosh, he regressed. He's terrible. He's awful. We're really dumb at making picks." No, you don't ever say that. But they're not. They're not doing the usual thing of people that are trying to get your attention off of uh, a player not on the level you think they should. No, and and by overinflating it. Now, every time the Falcons are asked about Desmond Ritter and his offseason, they're like, no, he's progressing. He's doing some good things. We really like a lot of things he's doing, but he's still working on some stuff. Okay. That sounds like we've, we're, you know, he's going to have to get in there and have some growing pains. He's just going to have to. That's, at this point, it's fine to do so. He's already got his feet wet a little bit last year. He didn't get crushed because this offensive line's pretty good. They signed Calais Campbell. Campbell said he had other options. Uh, some that possibly paid a little more, some were better opportunities, but he said he really he he bought into what the coaches and what everybody was saying to him here. And he really wanted the opportunity to play here in Atlanta. So, the Falcons' plan is to use who they got, used through the draft, they used a lot of that cap money to go sign people like Calais Campbell, who is... Uh, He's not as long in the tooth as most and he can still play. And plus, you have Grady Jarrett. You need people to play beside Grady Jarrett. Calais Campbell can do that. And he will take some of the some of the some of the double teams off of him, which is just gonna free him up. But I like their plan. They've got what three or four runners in the backfield that are really good. You've got Drake London. You've got Kyle Pitts when he comes back from his injury. Uh, they've went and re- they've signed some other guys. They they have some really really solid weapons, and I look forward to what they're going to do. I really do. Maybe we make it out to some Falcons games this year. Maybe we come hang out with you guys. You guys have thrown on some invites that I appreciate. And I think the Falcons are going to be an interesting watch this year. And interesting as far as, I think, more positive than question marks this year. I think you guys are going to like it. But that is kind of partially what their plan is. They are not in the Lamar sweepstakes. They are not in any other kind of sweepstakes. They have pretty much signed the big guys are going to sign. They'll sign some smaller guys and pay attention to this draft. I think the Falcons could move around. There are scenarios that make sense for them to move up. There are scenarios for them to stay where they are, and scenarios for them to stay down. I think they have a couple players in mind. If those players are there, they're going to take them. If they're not going to be there when they draft, I think they're going to move down. Don't be surprised if they do so. But there are my five NFL big topics. We're going to take a short break, tell you about our friends at betonline.net, and we will be right back after this. Hey, this is Jeremy the Impact Dork from the Impact Media family of podcasts. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. ...here on That Sports Show. Remember, it's not just any sports show, not this sports show. It is That Sports Show. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. and going to welcome you guys back. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have the betting and wagering lines. If it is legal to do so in the area of which you live and you choose to do so. If not, you can still use the articles in the podcast. They make you a smarter, more educated fan... I was just on there earlier today reading an article, great article by the way. Uh, check all those out, betonline.net, let them know Impact Media sent you. They love to hear that, and we love to hear from them that you told them that. First part of the show, we went through our NFL headlines, uh, the top five stories that I uh, felt like, I feel that you guys, uh, first off, wanted me to talk about, and second off, that, that you want to hear more about, and that was uh, the Lamar Jackson sagas. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Bill Belichick being on the hot seat, um, the possible resurgence of Pete Carroll in Seattle, and uh, what I think is the Falcons' plan and why they um, are avoiding some of the bigger free agents that a lot of people, some of you guys, not all of you guys, but some of you guys think that they should go for. If you missed the first part of it, you can always go back and listen to that. Or if you want to do to it again, we appreciate that as well. So, last part of the show, we're going to talk some rugby ATL. We're going to talk some Braves, but first, let's talk about those Atlanta United five stripes. Like I said, been a little while since we did a show. Uh, the month of March, I got to give Atlanta credit. Atlanta had a pretty good month of March. They went two, one, and one. And uh, the loss was a uh, oof, it was a stinker. That was the six to one uh, Columbus matchup. But they got wins five to one over Portland. They were able to blank Charlotte three to nil and get the clean sheet. Clean sheet is something Pineda and Brad Cousin really strive for, and I don't blame. And the defensive that that defensive back that that back line there, they pride themselves on those. And uh, the uh, the draw was with Toronto FC. That turns out they're a pretty good team, so that makes you look pretty good. Uh, they started off the month of April with a one-nil win the other night versus the New York Red Bulls, which have been kind of your, which have been kind of your uh, not Achilles' heel, but your uh, thorn in your side. You're able to get the, they're able to get the victory in the playoffs and kind of get get. Kind of get that that chip off the shoulder a little bit. Uh, the goal in this one came early. They made you guys, made everybody sweat it out. Early goals are fun, but man, they make you sweat it out because you're only one away from being tied again and, and two away from potentially losing. But uh, Jorgis Yakamagas in the seventh minute, uh, pounding the ball to the back of the net. His name is Yorgos and he scores goals. That's that's what he does. Uh, you know, this team's doing some some good things. They we're seeing things fall into place. Like I said, they had that stinker, but Columbus is actually a pretty decent team. They currently sit in second in the Eastern Conference with 13 points. They are tied with the New England Revolution. They're 1 point behind Cincinnati. That makes no freaking sense. <laughs> Did not see, see did not see Cincinnati being a powerhouse this year. And that's not saying they're not going to fade, but it doesn't look like they are. Uh, what was it? There's that other one. Yeah. And the other big surprise is St. Louis, who is a brand new team. And they are smoking people like salmon. It is uh, really crazy. But Atlanta's sitting in a good spot right now. Plenty of season still to go. But... You know, we're seeing, whether it's the, the Juanjo Paradas, who is a personal favorite of mine, uh, the Miles Robinson, those those guys holding down the back. Diego Almada is the, one of the best players in MLS. He's probably one of the best players in the world right now. You want to hang on to him and keep his attention here for as long as you can. Hopefully to an MLS Cup, and then if he wants to go somewhere, i let him pick his wherever he wants to go. Uh, Even when he was out, though, and that's that's where that stinker came from, is when a lot of those call-ups were, and we were missing six or seven people, and it was some pretty prominent people. But in missing those, uh, the the organization wasn't there. Everybody was just getting comfortable, just getting the continuity between them. And then all of a sudden, seven people who were normally on the team, five starters and two uh, super subs were suddenly nowhere to be found. It happens. But now everybody's coming back. Everybody's fresh. Nobody got hurt. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. There. This team, I think, is about to go on a run, and they've got they've got a little bit of a weird schedule in front of them. But uh, let's see. This Saturday, they will be in New York to take on NYCFC. Then they will be in Toronto the following week. Yep. These are all no no weird Wednesday games yet. Then they will be here to host Chicago. And then they will go to Nashville. So they will basically they have two home games and three away games in the month of April and they've already played one home game. So I like their chances against NYCFC. And we know that New York both New York teams like to do this, but the New York New York City Football club they like to press like to they like to high press at times and they really like to be physical you know to make a reference back to those Legion of Boom Pete Carroll Seahawks that um, they almost they want to foul they want to control the physicality they want to almost just nick nick you up and just ding you up enough to where you, it throws you off your game plan and uh, they they almost are daring the officials to call it, because they know the, the officials aren't going to call it every time, and so they're cool with uh, you calling one out of every three, one out of every four, and them getting away with it the rest of the time, because that is the game plan they want to do. They control the narrative through physicality. That makes sense. It's not a bad strategy. I can't fault them for that. That's that's the way they are. That's the way they are geared to play. It's just means we're going to have to turn things up and I think we're going to have to keep the pressure and it seems already I heard Jason Longshore say this earlier um, not really earlier in the week I guess but he said it the other day that uh, Atlanta's just going to have to keep the pressure up you know if they if they're going to get high pressed then you just keep playing your game it seems like Atlanta United is going to do that they are just going to continue their game plan regardless of what the other team is going to do. They'll make their adjustments as they need to, but you're not going to see them, you know, get a one-goal lead in the 7th minute like they did last time, last week and then suddenly park the bus. This is not the way this team plays. They kept the intensity up. They kept pushing, they kept pressing and they get the vict- they basically just beat the Red Bulls into submission to where the Red Bulls weren't going to after about the 70th minute, I didn't worry about it whatsoever. It looked to me there were some chances sure I didn't think the Red Bulls were going to beat them at that point. I, I actually thought we were going to add another goal, but fell a little short of that. But, hey, 1-0 is just as good as 14-0. I'll take it. As I said, United looking good. They're starting to get all the, the wheels really going in motion. The train is really going down the track. They are back to being a fantastically fun watch for good reasons. Last year it was kind of a uh, watch. Watch the... Uh, Kinda of watch the uh, the circus. This year, it's uh, watch the Broadway show. Let's talk a little. Rugby ATL. Rugby ATL had a, they've they've had a solid season, and this is not some way to sugarcoat something. No, they've had a solid season. They are have been playing around with the lineup, playing around with different ways to play. They are another team that likes to. Uh, push hard, keep the intensity up, really try to be more offensive than defensive. Uh, And a couple times they've gotten caught because they were playing too far forward. And uh, sometimes you get some unlucky breaks. But, you know, they're hanging in there. They are currently... Let's see, they... had it all pulled up a minute ago and suddenly it disappeared. There it is. They are currently in fifth place in the East, as uh, they are five points better than Toronto. They are three points behind D.C., who they play this weekend, I believe. Did I get that right? They do play this weekend. That one is going to be at Silverback Park. Uh, Through a weird scheduling conflict, I actually will not be... On the premises this week but um, maybe I'll try to do some uh, lead-ups to it or some things uh, maybe right after it or something like that but I will not be at this home game Uh, so if you guys are looking forward to finding me the next home game after that I believe is in May but we will we'll get more into that later but this team they're only what is it nine points well, they're, f- they're four points out of third. They're five points out of second. They're nine points behind New England who have just had a uh, really incredible season so far. But as I said the thing about this year's team is is mostly when people watch rugby they they look for a lot of uh the guys who score a lot you know it's understandable they they want to go for the the outside runners and the and the people like that well with this team it literally can be anybody on the pitch you might see you might see a uh, a seven like Matt Heaton power one in there You might see uh, Tiana Rasmus, a two, the hooker. You might see him in there. Uh, You might see Austin White, who has a couple scores, this time coming from the outside. You might see Will Leonard. We've we've interviewed a lot of these people. If you haven't seen them, uh, go to our Instagram. Uh, I think they're on our Facebook. They're probably even on the TikTok, all those kind of things, at the Impact 99. Look them up. But this team, man, they're so spread out, a lot like the way Atlanta United is, to where it's not so centric on just one player or one particular style. They adapt. They're able to uh, overcome a lot of things and stay in games that they probably last year were were not in at all. You know, having Damon Torres be able to play the seven until Matt Heaton got back off his injury. Uh... John Roy Jenkinson he has been holding down the front as a prop and and uh, he he is is just awesome just awesome he has played through some injuries too so shout out to him made the uh, the first 15 which is kind of like a a weekly all-star thing with MLR but now this team just continues to do some incredible things they did come up a little short against uh, the defending champions, New York, over the weekend. But, uh, like I said, they're still hanging in there. And, there's, and there. and there's still so many games left to play. There are ten games left. And, uh, you know, they're another one that are just right on the cusp, right on the crest of that wave. Of making a uh, big run into the playoffs and it's gonna be exciting make sure you come down to Silverback Park like I said I unfortunately will not be there this week but um, even with their upcoming road games we're gonna try to do some some uh, things here or there and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy some of the stuff we do and, and definitely enjoy the stuff that they do you know that you can watch any game that they do whether it's home or away on the Rugby network that is the Rugby network app or the rugby They have all those you can watch the replays. I went back and watched the game from over the weekend again. but this team is is so much fun to be around. you, you definitely got if you hadn't checked out a game live, you got to do that. Rugby is just a fun pure game to see up close and uh, whether I'm there or not, it's pretty easy to be able to interact with the players. And enjoy the the terrapin lounge they have. That's I mean, that's just incredible. You, you go go check those out, and uh, tell them the impact sent you. But uh, like I said, they do have the game coming up versus Old Glory DC this weekend. That is Saturday. That is at 6 p.m. at Silverback Park. Uh, get your tickets now. Definitely get your tickets. us now. Uh, let's talk a little Atlanta Braves, right? Let's uh, let's talk a little Atlanta Braves. The Braves just started up their season, and I know I think it was uh, was it yeah I think it was the last game where they had Acuna and Albies. And was it earlier tonight? I remember seeing, I think it was earlier tonight. It was somebody else who smashed Riley. Riley hit a home run in the first inning that went 473 feet. 473 feet. He hit a baseball. That is crazy. Like I said, then Albies hit one in the second. Acuna Jr. hit one in the second as well. Um, Olson and Darno had some some uh, RBIs. Uh, they actually won tonight, eight to four. Charlie Morton gets his first win. But what was the game? Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Yesterday's game, they come up short 4 to 1 versus the Nationals, but I want to get into this. This young pitcher they started yesterday. Uh Schuster. He had this was his major league debut. Or his season debut, I think it was major league debut. Yes, he gave up 4 runs. Yes, he walked three or four, including walking a run in. He he got dinged around the first inning. But then he settled down, and uh, he he actually did pretty well. I will give him credit that uh, he went four and two-thirds. He was six hits, four own runs. They were all in the first inning. He walked five, and he had a strikeout. For a debut, and the fact that he had a rough inning, was able to get through it. Because Snicker, he was asked, hey did you ever think about pulling him out and he's like no that's something the kid's got to work out if uh, me pulling him out's not going to help him figure that out and so that is uh that's that's what he did he and I think you you absolutely have to do that um we're seeing hot starts from uh Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr. Riley and Albies are starting to heat up a little bit. Um, you know, everybody's saying that Sean Murphy's uh, the new catcher. oh he's he's a little slow out of the gates and everything. Well, he's on a brand new team, guys. He wasn't on this team last year, so even though he knows Matt Olson, who he played uh, a season or two with, uh, he's still got to get used to be on the East Coast and not the West Coast. And you know how Georgia weather is—that it's hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Then it rains, and it don't. Then it rains, then it don't. Then it rains, and it don't. It's hot coal all in between that. The wind's blowing 30 miles an hour, and then it stops, and then there's pollen everywhere. It's completely different over here. So he's having to adjust all that. I don't have a problem with it. RC is off to a pretty good start, too. This team is going to be really scary probably in May going into June, and they're just going to continue to keep steamrolling. But it's going to take them a little bit to to move some stuff around, uh, you know, trying to keep Ozuna and Darno in the lineup because their bats are are still needed in the, in the leadership, you know. But Michael Harris and and the others are, are they're gonna they're gonna be fine, but they got to get got to get everything going. They're, the the stolen bases will be up. We'll see, we'll see Albies and even Acuna and Harris start to swipe a lot of bases. Actually, Murphy can grab a few with Arcia. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with where the Braves are at right now. They're what, two and one? Yeah, they're two or yeah, I think they're two and one. Three and one, sorry. No. Nope. Look at the wrong stat. There it is. They're three and one. They are half game up on the Mets who are kind of heating up on their own don't know if Washington Miami or Philly will be that third team to sneak into there but the East is definitely gonna be a fun division uh, this year But you look at the rotation that is the brace rotation is it's gonna come around but for right now it's gonna be what scares you guys the most it just is uh, Morton was able to get the win uh, Strider got the win. It was good to see that. Uh Schuster had a rough outing to start with, but he was able to get it together. I said wait till you see his second and third start. I think you're gonna like that kid. There's a reason why he's in the isn't in the lineup like that. Uh the Max Fried injury should worry people for a minute. It's he's gonna be out for a couple weeks. Hopefully he returns to form as he comes back. Uh it's just uh it's just gonna be it's gonna put him in a weird spot until he does. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna put some other people up there for uh, some starting positions, especially with Max Fried out for a little bit. Um, you know, AJ Min or somebody that can give you some some innings. There, there's Chavez. A lot of those guys can give you innings to where even if you do a bullpen start. They're fine," I said. "No need to worry. For one, you're four games into 162. There are 158 games, or as Bryce Sparling would say, there are 6,779 more games to go. Not much to worry about. Now, if th- if if everything is is not going according to plan in June, now you have to start seeing what you can do. If there's your moves you can make, uh, can you call up, call down? You want to move some people here, there, maybe move uh, move somebody to a different part of the field, you know, things like that. But it's early. This Braves team looks good. I think there is absolutely nothing to worry about. Let's go into NASCAR. Let's go into NASCAR. Uh, and this is going to be a little weird because I'm going to talk about all the way up to all the way through. Let. Uh, Sunday's race which was yesterday I'm going to talk about the last start at Atlanta and when I mention F1 in a minute actually we'll just we'll do an F1 catch up the last couple races including this weekend's we'll do it on our next that sports show which will be later in the week let's go back to Atlanta this was a fun race Atlanta gets a bad rap because it, they redid the surface a little while back, and some people don't like it. Well, I'll tell you somebody that does like it is Brad Keselowski, who led 47 laps, and was the runner-up. Christopher Bell enjoyed it, he led 6 laps. And Joey Logano, who dominated this race, you know what, he's, he's pretty good guys, all those guys are pretty good, and uh, Logano led 140 laps and won the race. And he very much did win the race. It, it wasn't, it's, green white checkers are green white checkers, but NASCAR this year has done a really good job. It has been solid racing. It has had a lot of, uh, you're going to have your ups, your downs. For the most part, you're seeing a lot of big green flag runs. You're seeing 30, 40, 50 laps, sometimes more, where there are no cautions. People are, get, you know, at a place like Atlanta or a place like Richmond over the weekend, there are space to move around, to pass, to take different lines and to try to do better, uh, try to better yourself through the race. If Sometimes you got to take those risks, but they tend to pay off. As I said, that was, uh, Joey was able to win, Joey Logano won in Atlanta. They were at COTA last week, which is Circuit of the Americas. It is a famous F1 track, but at the same time, they it's one of their, One of the tracks that the team, or that uh, NASCAR is is now adding to their circuit, they've done it in the last couple years. It's a fun track. It's a really fun track. It was great to see Tyler Reddick dominate the way he did, lead 41 laps, and end up winning the whole thing. Uh, Kyle Busch was second. Alex Bowman third. Ross Chastain fourth. Those those trackhouse guys are fast this year. They are fast. Him, uh, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. They are going. They're going to win races and they're going to be in the finals and they are in the uh, the playoffs and they are going to be menaces as long as they don't get in each other's way. Uh, William Byron, who led the second most laps with twenty eight, ended up in fifth. You gotta watch those. Uh, you gotta watch those Hendrick guys too. William Byron, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, who won at Richmond this week. Uh, he was able to best his teammate Josh Berry. He is the other Hendrick guy because he stepped in for Chase Elliott, who is still injured, so rehabbing from the skiing accident where he broke his leg. He has been able to do guest commentary a lot of weeks. He has been a lot of fun to listen to. He's he's very laid back, very chill. You're not going to see a lot of emotion out of Chase, but there's a lot of knowledge. You've got to listen to what he's saying. He's saying a lot of inside stuff Uh, The kind of stuff you would normally hear maybe in a garage, a NASCAR garage. He is telling you what these guys are thinking as these scenarios are happening. And it's it's been a really... That's what you do. When the face of your league breaks his leg and can't be on all the time, or can't race, you put him on TV. But Josh Berry, who is just... He can't get any points from any of this, which sucks for him, but he's in the the, uh, Xfinity series. Once you declare he's just the backup driver, he, he gets no points for this. Uh, him getting second, a tremendous, tremendous performance. I mean, think of it this way. Here are the people you're surrounded by. The only person that beat him was Kyle Larson, who is not only his teammate, but is one of the probably top three or four racers in NASCAR. Uh, you got Ross Chastain behind him. Yeah, Ross is, is right up there. Christopher Bell, who is one of the next guys up, and Kevin Harvick, who is in his swan song season. Uh, that's the people who finished around him. Is that? I mean, that's incredible. Just, just incredible. NASCAR this year, like I said, has been so much fun. Uh, there's been if if you if you enjoy the big action. There's the big action there. Uh, Coming up this week, they are going to be at Bristol. It is part of the Dirt Race. Kyle Busch, who has won before, is the defending champ. When is that one? That is Sunday at 7 on Fox. That is going to be so much fun. That Dirt Race, so much fun. Because so far, we've had six events this year. And we've had... uh, you're six winners this year. We've had seven events, right? Yes, we've had seven, but it's William Byron won two. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won Daytona. Kyle Bush followed that up at Fontana. William Byron won Vegas and Phoenix. Joey in Atlanta. Tyler Reddick in Austin. By the way, Tyler Reddick is doing so well in the 45 car that, that Kurt Busch got emotional talking about it. They are considering bringing Kurt Busch back as a third car with that team. If he is cleared to do so, and if they do, my goodness, that is beyond a power team. And of course, Larson this week. Those are your winners so far. I said I've enjoyed it. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, well, that's not the NASCAR I grew up on. No, but that's that's like saying you know, kind of stuck in the ways to saying, oh well, uh, nobody should beat Babe Ruth's record. Well, I hope they do. I hope. You you want people to break records because when they break records, that means the sport's getting better. That means the talent's getting better. That means everything is improving. And when they beat those unbeatable records, that's just, just even better. So, I, you know, I'm one of those people, too. There's a, there's a lot of times there are records that, man, I, I don't know that I ever want to see broken. But when they are broken, they're that much more special. Because, like I said, they're telling you that the series is better. Uh, being a fan of this stuff is so much better because there's so many more opportunities. There's a technology, especially a NASCAR. You can listen in on these guys while they're on the radios. <laughs> Listening, you know, not viewer discretion. Listener and discretion be advised. They may have a few choice words here and there, but... You want people to be better than the people before them. You pave the way for the people behind you. Maybe you make it easier, make you make it more exciting. Maybe you show them a better way to do it. But that is something you should always look for, always strive for, and just have fun, guys. It's been a fantastic season for NASCAR. The Braves are heating up. The Falcons are looking forward to the draft. Rugby ATL is on their way to a big push. Atlanta United doing some, I mean, just doing some incredible work. You guys are going to like Yorgos, especially when uh, you got Almada to to drop it in the bucket right in front of him. Caleb Wiley doing great things. Guzan is still the ageless wonder. One of the best goalies in the league. So much fun stuff happening here in the city of Atlanta. But we're out of stuff to talk about. Or at least stuff we're going to talk about for now. We'll do, We'll catch you guys on the other side with our show later on in the week, and we'll pick up where we left off here. But this has been another great edition of That Sports Show. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next time. Deuces, gooses.